Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal and company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book dot thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com where you can get a copy of my number one best-selling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Angela Lee, who is the epitome of from survivor to thriver. Angela, my friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? So much is going on in my world. Um, Gosh, I am doing fabulous. Thank you. And so pleased to be here with you, talking to you, my newest friend. (laughs) And... um, 
Yeah, I'm actually I'm working on a project where I'll be building curriculum for homeschoolers that they can use to help empower children into emotional well-being. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I know a big part of, of your journey is kind of getting into that place. Um, before we kind of dive into those things, though, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and how you got to where you are today? <laughs> That's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> so I am a author of children's fairy tales. Um, these stories are crafted so that kids can walk away from the books with a sense of self-worth um, and emotional well-being. And my mission with the books is to, if I can, impact child suicide um, because suicide is the second leading cause of death for kids. And I, I it breaks my heart. I, I want them to have the tools. Yeah, that's, that's really mm -hmm. powerful. You know, and it's something that I think is gushed about uh, enough in the world that we live in. And I know that you've been through through quite a journey yourself. And I'd love if you'd spend some time talking about your background and your experience that has led you to where you are today. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> so, um, if you can imagine, I was born in the Haight Ashbury of San Francisco, and it was a colorful time and place because. The summer of love, I was there, even though I was two or three. So <laughs> I I got to see, um, you know, all these iconic singers as they hung out on their doorsteps. <laughs> and so it was a magical young life. But also, I had a raging alcoholic father. And my mom worked full time so because she had to support the family so we were left alone with dad and it from uh, basically my memories of dad is that he was a monster um you know i know that he physically sexually and emotionally abused us and my subconscious buried a lot of that, so I can't like talk about any specific times. But what I walked away from, um, when my in fact, when my mom divorced my dad and I was 10 years old, it was an awakening, it was a, a release, it was freedom to to know that we were now safe from this monster in our life. And I grew up and I married a man who was also from an injured background. And he basically, um, his comfort zone was conflict, anger, and yelling. For me, with my background, that was very difficult for me to deal with because, you know, I had this raging dad and I decided that anger was a terrible thing to be. To be angry was terrible for to, to my young mind. And so I uh, repressed anger and had really no sense of value, no self-love. And the repression of emotions coupled with a lack of inner value is a marker for not having a great life, for making choices that are self-harming. And so I got into this marriage and I was emotionally abused in this marriage. So I say for, you know, 50 some years of my life, I've been bullied by men and it doesn't, um, I know that I played a part in the marriage because I brought to it this rejection of anger and he embraced anger. And so that created a very toxic atmosphere. 
most people, most women who experienced the things that I've experienced would label it with a label of a kind of behavior. And I don't like using labels. Um, but I can tell you that I was gaslighted and I was um, blamed for everything in my marriage. So every five years or so, I thought about leaving, but I couldn't hurt him. So I put his needs of being loved ahead of my need to not be yelled at, acu accused, and um, turned upside down <laughs> mentally. And so what I was doing was not valuing myself enough. And I probably would still be in that marriage if a wildfire had not destroyed our home. And that happened in Northern California in 2017. And went to bed that night, um, woke up to mayhem and had to get out within 10 minutes. The fire caught our house 10 minutes after we left. And within another 10 minutes, our entire house was gone. It was like flattened and everything inside, of course, gone too. And for most people, having a crisis like that, because a fire will rip the rug out from underneath you. You know, your whole world turns upside down, especially if a whole community is affected by a fire. What it did for me was put me into a dark night of the soul where I questioned everything. I questioned why was I allowing myself to be in this situation that made me miserable? What is life about? You know, is it about sacrificing my values and my needs for someone else's? Or is it about me choosing my needs? And I, I had all these thoughts. <laughs> I ended up leaving the marriage. And that was the first step in my inner healing. Because what I say is you cannot... When you are inside the blame and the anger and the vitriol, it's really hard to be able to think from expanded um, pers perspectives of what's going on. You, at least for me, it was, I was in victim and I would point the finger saying, he did this, he did this, he did this. And all of that is true. He did do that. But now that I'm out of that marriage, I can look at it and say, okay, well, what role did I play? What, how did I play into that? And I can say, I chose to stay in that marriage. That's my responsibility. And I chose his needs before mine. And that's my responsibility. And so what I understand now is that when we can step out of the pointing the finger and the blame situation, and we can say, okay, two of us were in this. And we each played a role. What was my role? And where's my responsibility? That is when we can create change. Because if we're in victim and we're pointing the finger and blaming, we're saying they are responsible and we don't have any ability to create change in that situation. Yeah, and that's and, and thank you for sharing that. Such a powerful story. When you, when you told me that story the first time you and I connected, I sat there and I, I, I had to just kind of have a moment of pause and digest it because I thought to myself, 
there are these really interesting moments in life in which you're faced with making a decision about the future. And, mm -hmm. and those start with a present moment choice, even though it doesn't feel like that, because I think sometimes it gets lost or misconstrued that the decisions we make now impact our tomorrow. And sometimes that choice, what I think is so interesting about life, sometimes that choice is right there because it has no other reason to be there other than the universe is tired of you of ignoring yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what I, I heard in your story. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily right or wrong, but I've had that experience also where you look at life through the scope of all the circumstances in the world have finally come to fruition in a way where now I have no other option but to stop ignoring what I know I need to do. And so while the catalyst for some people may be a wildfire, for other people it's losing your job or unfortunately someone in your life. And, and there's all these moments that you have a decision and a choice to make. But what's fascinating to me that caused the pause in your story for me where I had to like take this moment was thinking about this idea that you, instead of taking and continuing to blame, you thought about, well, how do I move through this? Why is blaming other, like, why does blaming other people disempower us? And, and how do we overcome that? So anytime we are pointing the finger and blaming, we are putting all the responsibility upon the other person. And when they hold responsibility, they're the only ones who can create change. When we can say, how, in what way did I play a role in this situation? And then we take responsibility for whatever the role may be, even if it is only being the victim. And we could say, okay, well, I was his victim and that's the role I took then we can say, okay, I don't choose to be victim anymore and we can create the change. But anytime we're, we're putting the responsibility on someone else, they're the only ones who can make a change. And most coaches will tell you, <laughs> we can't expect change in our lives by expecting someone else to change. We, we must change ourselves. Yeah, that's so empowering, right? And and I think that often people miss the mark on the fact that they are handing their their power, their agency, their their ability to other people. But even in noticing it, though, I think often the thing that can occur is that people will still get stuck in this narrative of like, I deserve this. Like, this is what I am able to have in my life. This is what I get. And there's still that that threshold in which they haven't overcome. Do you think that there is some type of systematized way or pragmatic or practical way that you can really overcome shifting from this disempowerment around having other people have your power into taking it back for yourself? I do. And part of what I teach is um, perspectives. And, and it is in the perspectives that we hold that we create what is around us. So if I believe that my house is going to be broken into and only thieves live around me and this is the world that I live in, that's kind of what I attract to, to me. And so it is our beliefs and our perspectives that create our reality. And many, many adults have been told at some point in their lives, by their parents, by their teachers, by their boss, whoever it is, through some kind of criticism, they gained a perspective about themselves that holds them back. And so what I teach is what is in the Talmud. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. And lots of people have heard that. When we apply it to ourselves, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I'm looking through this lens at the world. But it's really powerful to apply to the people who criticize us, to understand 
that they are looking at the world through their lens and what they say says more about who they are than it ever said about us. And that's a really powerful tool that I use. I use uh, NLP practice of um, putting yourself back in that situation in your imagination and re-experiencing this criticism and then having your adult self show up and pick this child you up, hold you and tell you the truth about who you are. Because often people will tell us what they believe us to be, but it's, it's their truth. It's not ours. And so being able to shift your perspectives to let go of some of those filters that were given to us by others and say, you know, one, I'm not five years old anymore. <laughs> and two, you know, in my case, it would have been my dad saying, I'm not worth the dirt under his feet when I was maybe four years old. I can look at that situation as an adult and I can say, okay, he was a raging drunk and he was drunk when he said it. And I was a four-year-old little girl who was being talked about here because no adult in their right mind would say that to a child. So what it, what he said said more about who he was in that moment than it said about me. And being able to reframe and kind of let go of that I don't have any value idea that was planted in me when I was young, um, it's a powerful tool to use. Yeah, and there's there's freedom in that when you recognize what you just said. And I, I'll never forget the moment that I realized basically what I, I had fallen into by accident was I'm not a child anymore. And in that, it, it gave me this sense of personal freedom to look at and evaluate the behaviors of the adults in my childhood and yeah. recognize that they were still acting as if they were a child, even though they're doing these incredibly abusive and painful things, they had not yet taken personal responsibility. And, and part of me, like as an adult recognizes that and sees that and says, Oh, wait a second, I'm not culpable. It's not my responsibility for the things that those people did to me, those narratives that shaped me those ideas, those concepts, those belief systems that turn into identity, that's all bullshit because they're handing me that. I've had no say in it. And the truth is I'm, I'm not four years old anymore or 10 or 12. Yep. And so I, I, it's, to an extent, it becomes this reconciliation because you look mm -hmm. at your life through this scope of understanding, wow, this actually isn't on me and I don't have to carry that. And with that yeah. comes freedom. And, yeah. and I think one of the things that people get so caught up in in this, however, is this idea that that narrative, that programming, that conditioning, that identity and belief that is not theirs natively is their burden to carry. And they find themselves trapped like I did at one point having this identity crisis of going, wait a second, am I actually the person that they told me I need that I am or am I the person that I'm choosing to be? And so in that, what I'm really curious about, Angela, especially getting in this place where you make this gigantic shift, you, you cross this huge chasm of stepping into personal responsibility, self-love, trust, compassion, empathy, all of those things that are required to get to where you are now, what was that process like for you? Because I know that there are people listening right now who are in this place of they're coming through the other side or in the beginning and the crux of this and trying to figure out who they are. Well, it starts with, often it starts with hiring a coach who can help you um, shift your perspectives or look at things in a different light, or 
learn how to experience your feelings. And that's how I did it. You know, first, after the fire, I went to a psychologist for probably a year. But at the same time, I hired a, an energy coach who is very skilled in moving energy. And she helped me shift more than the psychologist did. She helped me shift my perceptions and moving the energy so that that when you when you talk about carrying a feeling, We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. It's like energy we put in a backpack and it's we lug it around and it drags us down. And so I was able to empty the backpack in that way. And in those processes, I learned many tools that I now share freely because it's important for humanity to be able to shift some of these ideas that we have about how we are held in the space of being a victim. You know, it's funny when I, when I reflect on kind of my experience of starting this process of healing, um, I have thought to myself many times over, I wish I would have hired a coach before I hired a therapist. And, and the reason that I say that, and it's not that there's not huge validity in therapy. I've, I've had that conversation before. It's yeah. just simply that I didn't have tools. I didn't have literally what you're talking about right now in terms of having the ability to, to reframe thought process, to understand energy, to look at experiences and, and really to step into the emotional capacity. I think one of the, one of the short sighted aspects of, of therapy and, and my personal experience is, is evaluating emotions only from the negative. And it took me a long time to find a therapist who didn't operate that way. But when I was with coaches, it was always about, why don't you talk about where you're at right now, like in this present moment? And so I, mm -hmm. you know, and again, it's going to be different. It's a different experience for everyone. And, and again, I know somebody's going to email me, stop right now. <laughs> I Therapy is for everyone. Go do it. I don't care who you are. My point is this, just very simply, we need guidance. When you haven't been given tools and you don't have a roadmap, the most important thing I believe that you can do is go find the person that has that. What was it? Yeah. Go ahead, please. Well, uh, what I was just going to say is I, I would never take anything away from therapists. They serve a purpose. And in fact, my, um, my stepdaughter is a psychologist. So there you go. But I know that I was served more through the coaching than I was through the therapy I went through. Now, is that true for everybody? No, it just was true for me. And so if you've been in therapy and you don't feel like you're gaining traction, maybe it's time to think about, do I get a coach? This is all about what serves you best. Yeah. And, and so much of that, again, it comes to that idea of, of personal power and making a decision for yourself. And I think one of the hardest parts about this is, and this was my experience, I was just numb. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think many people are just so numb because yep. of all the experiences of their family. And the, and it, that almost feels to me like this weird trickle down effect. Um, mm-hmm. What is the cost of being in families where you have these people who are numb? So, you know, my father numbed his feelings with alcohol. And just from today's little discussion, everybody has an idea of what the cost of that was, because not only me, but my sisters, my mother, um, the people that he worked with, there were all kinds of reverberations because of his choice to numb his feelings. And I didn't really understand this. I, for most of my life, I just saw my dad as a monster, someone I wanted to to not have anything to do with. And it was his sister who, as I was leaving her house one day, she said, you know, Jimmy was so sensitive. He was too sensitive for this world. And that opened up in me a huge understanding that he was escaping his feelings because he couldn't deal with them. And So he chose a method that turned out to be harmful for him and his family. And that's part of it because there are no tools he was given for dealing with emotions. And so that started the whole connecting the dots thing for me. And then I looked at my behavior when I decided that anger was bad. And that meant that I repressed my own anger. And there was a time, if you asked me, did I have any enemies or did I, how how mad would I get? I'd be like, I don't get mad. I just don't get mad. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm nice. I don't get mad. But (laughs) that was me in denial of a part of myself. (laughs) And so looking at my own behavior and then seeing my ex-husband's behavior, what I realized is here are three different generations of people and we are all either grabbing onto or pushing away a feeling. So, and, and the net result of those is that the feeling stayed with us. It's almost like a magnet. When we push a feeling away, we magnetize it to us and it sticks to us. And that's why people who try to numb their feelings through alcohol or drugs have to do more and more and more because they think that they're in freedom. They think that they are um, finding ways to feel good but what they're doing is avoiding the pain. And that's one aspect of it. The other aspect are the people who actually grab onto and kind of make that feeling who they are. I'm an angry person. I'm an angry man. And in both cases, that magnetizes the feelings to us. And so we're stuck carrying that feeling around. And when we can be neutral and when we can kind of be a witness to our own feelings, that is when the energy can flow and it just moves away. How do you, so my, my consciousness hears that, right? And in, in real time, I go, great. Sounds wonderful. But then I am consumed. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Right. And then I go, well, wait a second. I'm consumed once I step into emotion by that emotion. But like, I understand the idea that we get looped into things and and there's, you know, this fact that most emotions last for 90 seconds and you could change in your energy to be able to navigate those. But I, I think that what yes, happens to most people, yeah. And and my experience was like, I could not get to this place where I was okay with this thought of neutrality. So how do you get there so that you can experience your feelings so that you can experience your emotions? What does it take to make that a reality? 
Well, and I'm going to be really vulnerable and honest with you. I still have emotions that grab hold of me. And even though I teach this method, sometimes I forget to use it for myself. And so um, any listeners, give yourself grace. It's okay. This is this is a process. And it will eventually all get it in the end. But for right now, we're, we're working towards it. And so what I say is, you feel the feeling. And that just might be noticing it. Oh my gosh, I feel sad, mad, happy, whatever. You notice the feeling and you pay attention. It's, it's an awareness process where, okay, where is the feeling? What does it feel like? And then you acknowledge the feeling. That's step two. And that's as easy as saying, oh, I am feeling and name it. And then the easy and the hard part is to allow the feeling. And for your listeners, what I want to say is this is not allowing the situation that brought up the feeling. It is not accepting the situation and it's not allowing it. It is allowing yourself to feel what you feel about the situation. And so you just say, oh, it's okay for me to feel this way. And as we practice that more and more, then we get to the point where our feelings just flow and and they don't stick to us. So there's another tool that I teach that is a grounding cord. So you imagine a cord coming from the base of your spine and going down to the center of the earth. And this is like a two-step grounding cord because outside there's a coil that runs around the cord and it brings it down to the center of the earth. And you send your thoughts that aren't serving you down the center of the cord. You send your emotions that aren't serving you down the coil part, and that sheds the energy from your space. And when you're in that and you're trying to step into that deeper, is is there a place for, how do I want to, I want to phrase this in a practical way. Is there a, a, a place in this where you have to give yourself grace with those emotions? Ah, so beautifully said. Thank you. That is absolutely what we, because we are so fast to criticize ourselves and we are so quick to say, I'm doing it wrong. But the thing is, we weren't taught this stuff. And so all of our efforts move us in the direction we we want need to go and giving ourselves grace is the best way to get better at it because if we beat ourselves up about not doing it right then we're not going to improve as quickly as we could if we give ourselves grace and say okay well this is a learning process next time i'll do it better Um, that just makes it easier for us to move forward with the process. Yeah. And I I don't know about you, but like, I've never been good at anything the first time I did it. (laughs) You know, honestly, like, I'm still like, man, I've done some things a million times in my life. I'm still not proficient, right? We're we're experienced. And, And in this, I think that the way that grace applies probably more so than anything, and this is my life in real time is just being like, okay, cool. Now you understand something about yourself that you didn't understand before this moment. And, and I think that is, I just feel like it's a continuation of that. Like, unfortunately, like ad nauseum, it's going to be the experience of life until you die. That's because today is not the same as yesterday and tomorrow will be different from today. Um, We will always face challenges. And so when we, Unfortunately, schools have taught us 
that there's failure and there's doing good and somewhere in between. And that's kind of the structure that schools raise us in. And, you know, Thomas Edison took a, a thousand times to create the correct combination of things that created a light bulb. And a reporter asked him, how does it feel to fail a thousand times? And he said, no, I, I didn't fail. It took a thousand steps for me to get to this place. And the sooner we can walk away from the idea of that I failed at this and embrace that, okay, this was a step on my journey, then the better off, well, the more self-love we'll have. Because <laughs> that, to me, what a measure of self-love is not the self-care you do for yourself. It's how you think about yourself, what you say about yourself, and how you behave to yourself. Yeah, it's it's kind of like one of my mentors, Tony Robbins, says like you will only ever tolerate what you allow yourself to tolerate, and and I I I think that's so powerful and profound because some of us allow ourselves to tolerate being insufferable to ourselves, to being unkind to ourselves, to being mean to ourselves, and and I would challenge that narrative and say, well, what if you didn't? What if you gave yourself oh. space and grace and love and hope and compassion and empathy and sympathy sometimes when you actually need it, not because it's just there and available to you, right? And so like going through this process is a, a consummate reminder, like you are doing something you've never done before every single moment of every single day of your existence. You have nothing to support the reality that in this moment, you've never done this. We have never had this conversation before. <laughs> We never did. Right. And I'm, I am so struck to, um, one of the characters in my book is a young pink haired fairy. She's adorable. <laughs> her name is Shabona and her ability to do magic was cursed by someone else. And so she basically fails every time she tries to do magic. But sometimes her failures actually make things work out. And so somewhere in there is a message. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's so true about life because it's it, it's indicative of the reality, right? You, you know, John Maxwell wrote an amazing book, one of my favorite books of all time called Failing Forward. And it's just simply about this understanding, like, if you can take those failures, because you're going to have them, like, let, if, if you think you're never going to make a mistake, then you're not trying, you, you're literally not trying. And so if you can take those failures and acknowledge them and sit in them and just simply say, all right, cool, got it, learn something, you will be so much better off in life because you'll be taking these things that would once hinder you and use them as fuel to continue to propel you forward. Um, one of the things, and I'd love to shift, shift gears up the books a little bit, is talk about the concept and where these ideas came from and mm. and and really like i'd love to talk about tapping into the courage of putting that out there and the vulnerability that it took to to make your books a reality oh thank you michael it's um so i started writing fairy tales for a friend's daughter she was six years old and i just you know thought hey i'm gonna entertain her with a, a couple of stories except one of them kept growing and and it kept expanding. And about six months into writing, I realized, oh my gosh, the things I learned in my life are being built into this story. And, you know, in in one of the, the books, there's these wraiths that suck the life out of you. And that was kind of an allegory for my marriage. <laughs> and in in the, that particular book, love is the answer. And I can speak to this. I know that when I was in my marriage, unconditionally loving him was not possible. But he has grown since I left. And I think 
part of it is the fact that I can unconditionally love him from afar. And I just couldn't do it when I was there. Um, so there's all these little bits of my life that ended up in these books. And, and I realized first, I thought, oh, okay, I'm writing these books so that young girls can value themselves and not make the kind of poor decisions that I made in my life. And they can choose into relationships that are supportive and respectful. And then later on, I realized, no, it's not just for girls. It's for all kids. And because, you know, there are young men who choose into relationships that are horrible for them, that in the end, they're teaching them lesson, life lessons, but it's, um, if they already have that self-love, they don't need to go through that lesson to gain their self-love. And so these books, I, I wrote them, you know, with the idea that these kids can come to a place of emotional wellness, emotional well-being through reading these stories that, you know, actually engage them and, and they like they want to know what comes next. And then I realized I can't do this without including the parents. And so right before um, book one came out, I wrote up this whole parent's guide to give the tools to the parents because the parents need the tools in order to create the space of wellness for their kids. And so each book has a parent's guide that talks about the different themes included in the books and different perspectives that they can bring to their kids that are more empowering than perhaps the normal perspective we take in that situation. And, and that's beautiful because just like you talked about perspective, is so much a factor in all of the things that happen in our life. And I love that you're writing the books and I, I love that you have the shift in understanding that they were also for, for little boys too, because, you know, I, I know a ton of men who have gone through and myself included in this gone through toxic relationships, gone through trying to find love, gone through self-sabotage, the same thing. Like, this is what I always try to tell people. Like we are all going through the same thing. We're on the same highway. We're just in a different lane. So you might be going at that one speed i'm going through another but ultimately we're all trying to figure this out together and so yeah. i think that's really both beautiful and admirable uh before i ask you my last question angela can you tell everyone where they can find you and find out more about <laughs> the books yes i have a website angelalee.com and it's spelled a-n-g-e-l-a-l-e-g-h.com and on that site i have um, the books links, obviously, but I also have some tools for parents. There's a guide, free downloadable guide, five steps to happiness. There's a free downloadable guide about soothing anxiety and depression in children. And there's a teen suicide prevention guide. These I'm currently working on just a guide of different tools you can use for emotional resilience. And all of those will be free downloads on my website. Awesome. That's amazing. And thank you for that. And of course, we will put all that information in the show notes in the links. Angela, my friend, my last question for you is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? To me, to be unbroken is to have enough self-love that you don't need to seek it outside of yourself. Very beautiful. Very poignant. Thank you, my friend. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review 
rate and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.